I have an admission to make. I was just faking it for a period of nine months. I've been faking it on the air. I am a fraud. Faking it. Yes, that's right. Faking it. Just going through the motions of a radio show, pretending to do a fantasy football podcast when the whole time I had no conviction about anything I was doing. I didn't really want to be on the air. I wasn't inspired. I can't say that. I was often inspired. And I wasn't really faking it. But Here's what happened in the last nine months. I was lacking new stimulus. That was the problem. That was what was frustrating to me. And that's why I felt like I was faking it. I felt like I was manufacturing stimulus. Spinning my wheels constantly, searching for interesting topics. Interesting perspective. Interesting way of looking at a story that was in the media at the time. What are people talking about right now? And do I have a different viewpoint? Do I have something counterintuitive that I can bring to the table? Constantly searching for these angles, constantly racking my brain to see if if I can go on the radio for 45 minutes and hold your attention, right? And all along the last nine months, the audience numbers steadily rising, 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 rising. Unbelievable. So to me, that felt great. It felt, it felt really did. It, 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 it was something that was truly rewarding at the end of the day to feel like you had to go out there and manufacture things to talk about because we didn't have football. The season was over. It was a grind to wake up in the morning and brainstorm topics and segments of a show that would captivate an audience that you would find compelling, compelling enough to tell your friends about. And then all of a sudden our audience numbers grow and grow and grow and they keep going up and going up and spiking here and there. And, and, and that's how the growth happens. It's not a smooth curve. There's little spikes in there. There's little valleys. But to me, that was an accomplishment. But now I can stop searching. I can just relax. I wake up in the morning now and I don't, there's no anxiety about doing this show. All the anxiety has drained from me. I feel like I'm floating every morning. Why? Because we have football. Oh, we have football. We finally have football. We have football. Oh, finally. Thank you. 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 Football games, actual football games, performances on the field, statistics, data. Oh my goodness. Oh my. This is what heaven's like. I feel like I'm floating into the air, into the heavens, through the gates. It feels so good. It feels so good. We can now do a show with new, actionable information. Remember, we've just been looking backwards at the 2014 data over and over and over, and over, and over, and over again. And oftentimes, looking back to 2013, what was Devontae Adams' dominator rating at Fresno State? How many times have we talked about that one? 
Think about it. Think about Go through your mind. The shows you've listened to. The Roto Underworld radio shows. Again, contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. You produce the show. Your messages on social media and via email help to drive the direction of the show. Please contact us. But think about it. Back through the different shows we've had. Wow, right? A lot of stale information. A lot of data from years past. Almost like I had to like dust off these very old books to look back through. And like we've been in a library. That's kind of boring, right? Think about it. Yes, we've tried to dress it up with funny shenanigans and voices like that. Well, Devontae Adams is a top 20 receiver. Right? Been dressing it up. Devontae Adams is not a top 20 receiver. That's That was clear. That was made clear to us on, on Sunday. Thank you very much. We can hopefully ha- stop having that conversation. James Jones. So now it's different. We're actually, these are new books. It's like a truckload of brand new books has arrived. And we don't have to be in that old musty library anymore. Oh no. In fact... We're not even reading books. I say a new a new truckload of books has arrived. We're not even going to open those books. Those books are going to stay in their boxes. We don't need to open up old books or new books. Screw books. No, the football season is here. We have a big plasma screen. Yes, no, 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 no. Beyond a plasma screen. We have a, a giant projection screen, a movie theater in our yard. That's what's going to entertain us. That's we're going to watch the games unfold. We're not going to be looking through old books, old Dominator ratings from 2011. No, 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 no. We're looking at new box scores, fresh new box scores, highlights on the jumbotron. Yes, yes. That's stimulus. That's entertaining. That's something I don't have to dress up with funny voices. Or a contradictory view from what you're hearing elsewhere. No, 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 no. I don't have to go out of my way to be contrarian. I can just talk about football and that's enough. That's enough during this time. This is exciting. We are actually going to do a traditional fantasy podcast. Right? Right? We haven't done one. And how long has it been? You tune into the show and it's always some podcast like you've never heard before. Some format that you, no one has tried out in the fantasy football sphere anyway. Something unique. Something just to entertain me so I hold my attention during the doldrums of the nine-month offseason. That's one of the questions Vivian always asks me. My daughter Vivian always asks me, Daddy, are the football players still on vacation? That's what she always, she always asks me. that. I think every week at some point, I'll pick her up at school. I'll be bringing her home. And out of nowhere, because she likes football, she was laying on the couch watching football with me for like an hour. It held her attention for an hour, which for her at four years old, that's incredible. I couldn't believe it. I I kept looking at her and saying, are are you okay? Are you sure? Do you need a a smoothie? Do you need a snack? Do you need me to play some, uh, do a little Lego uh, skit with you? Are you okay? And she was, oh yeah, no daddy, I'm fine. I'm fine just laying here watching football with you and I was so proud and happy I'm like this is crazy and I kept looking around for my wife and she wasn't around and I and I just breathed out I exhaled and I, <sighs> exhaled and I said okay this is 
this is life. This is this is what life is all about right here. This is awesome. But she was looking forward to, to Sundays too, which is cool. But every single week, she would pose the question, Daddy, when are the football players back from vacation? And every time I'd have to turn back and say, well, no, I wouldn't turn back. I would continue to watch the road. Of course, never take your eyes off the road, people. But I would say, it's going to be a few more weeks, honey. Oh, it's going to be a few more months. Oh, it's going to be a while. They're in mini camp. They're in training camp. No, it's preseason. Oh, the NFL draft. <laughs> we're going to continue to just manufacture. We're going to manufacture shows out of thin air. That's what we're going to do. We're going to just out of vapor. We're going to do a show about nothing and, and find out a way to try to make it compelling. We're going to try. But now we don't need to do that anymore. Again, I feel great. But one thing I want to make sure that I am crystal clear about going into this show. Week one matters. Week one matters. Week one matters. Because you're going to hear that a lot. It's only week one. Oh, it's just one week. Oh, it's just only one week. Uh, don't worry. It's only one week. Small sample. Tiny sample. Meaningless sample. Don't overreact to week one. Oh, 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 no. Oh, 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 oh. You should be reacting to week one. Absolutely. Please do React to week one. Those that are not reacting to week one are at a disadvantage. You should be reacting to week one. Week one is meaningful. It's weird that I have to say that out loud. That I have to remind us that it is. It's, 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 it's game data. Game data, by far and away, is the most meaningful slice of information on a player profile. Go to playerprofiler.com. What do we talk about more than anything else? More than the workout metrics. More than dominator rating. What do we talk about? On-field efficiency. And now we have new, fresh, on-field efficiency to talk about. But week one is an interesting week. Week one's a feel-good week. Week one is more about strengthening your existing convictions about the players that you like than it is about questioning the con your convictions about the players you like. You might say, what are you talking about? Well, week one, it eases my concerns about players more than anything else. I don't use week one data to start to ramp up my anxiety. That is too early. That I would agree. Too early to start getting too anxious, to start trading away players. Yes, I think I, that should go without saying. But okay, too early for that. But short of that, week one data is absolutely meaningful. And again, for me, it, it simply is used to ease concerns as opposed to ramping up anxiety. Week one is a great week. Post week one, the week leading up to week two, Maybe my favorite week of the season because it's all trumpets playing and rose petals at your feet. I don't let any of the negative performances bother me, but I am heartened by the positive performances. Now, week two is a different story. Week two, oh, week two's the worst week. Post week one, bliss. Post week two, misery. Oh, yes, because in week two, that's when the worrying starts. After week two, it's all about fear and loathing. And yes, sometimes after week two, you may want to <gasps> sell low on a player. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> what? Don't sell low. You never sell low. Fantasy Mansion, Matt Kelly said to sell low. That's ridiculous. He's a fraud. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Get him off the radio. Cancel the podcast. You never sell low. You only buy low and sell high. 
never sell low. Wrong. I sell low more than I sell high. I buy high more than I buy low. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Counterintuitive. Remember? Oh, here I go again. Here I go again. I thought I was just going to go through the box scores. Wasn't that what I just, I just, five minutes ago, I laid it out to you. No more contrarian opinions. Just going through the box scores and enjoying life, doing a traditional fantasy football show. What am I doing? What am I doing? Now I'm buying high and selling low? It's opposite world. It's counterintuitive. You shouldn't be doing that. Yes, you should. Sometimes. Because sometimes selling low is also known as selling before the player's value reaches zero. But yeah, this week, this week is a glass half full week. I'm enjoying this week. The sun is shining. I am smiling. You cannot wipe the smile off my face. We have football, number one, and and, and a number of our players that we've been touting have been performing well, performed well in week one. That's exciting. Next week, that's a glass half empty week with a bunch of the guys that I'm currently just the slightest bit anxious about. I have a slight anxiety about a handful of players, and that anxiety will reach critical levels if they continue to fail after week two. Well, we'll see. Here are some of the guys. Here are some of the players that didn't perform well in week one, players that we had ranked relatively high, higher than most, and they rewarded us by flopping. Charles Johnson, Devin Funchess, Allen Robinson, Lamar Miller, Melvin Gordon, Duke Johnson, Teddy Bridgewater, and of course, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is a special case. He lost by far and away his best receiver. Last year, Andy Dalton, when he lost A.J. Green, no good. Last year, Eli Manning, before Odell Beckham got healthy, not very good. That's a big problem. When you lose your your big play number one receiver, it, it's, it's, it's like taking a touchdown off the board. It's, it's what it's like. So while we did have Jameis Winston in all of our optimal lineups for daily last week, it was with the assumption that Mike Evans was going to play. All indications were that Mike Evans practiced on Friday, and because he practiced on Friday, the hamstring felt good, he was going to play. And at the last minute, the coach said, you know what, we're, we're going to take it conservative with your hamstring, which is what they should do, by the way. I agree with Lovey Smith that you should be cautious. If there is any doubt that the hamstring, whether or not it's 100% healthy or not, sit the player. Make sure he is 100%. Because if you don't, and you play him with a less than 100% hamstring, you are at a great risk of re-injuring the hamstring. That's what happened to Odell Beckham last year. That's what happened to Devin Funchess. I suspect that's one of the issues with Devin Funchess was that he aggravated his hamstring at the end of preseason because he was playing on a, a, a hamstring that wasn't 100%. That's dumb. The coach should not have let the player do it. Even if the player wants to be out there, the coach should hold them back instead of coaches like Tom Coughlin that are passive-aggressively urging their players to play hurt and aggravate existing injuries. Totally irrational. Yeah, let's get that player in there for... A half in week one so we can lose him for three more games. That makes a lot of sense, Tom. So I agree. Lovey Smith did the right thing. And I would hope that all of you, once you saw that Mike Evans wasn't playing, that you changed your lineups, took Jameis Winston out of your daily fantasy lineups. I I know we did. We sent a note out on Twitter about it. But that was unfortunate. So that's what happens. That's when you're predicting the future 
and you're relying on human beings, you're betting on, you're gambling on human beings and their health, sometimes it's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to walk into a buzzsaw and the quarterback you have in every optimal lineup loses his number one receiver. Now, Jameis Winston still had a productive day. He had well over 200 yards and two touchdowns, and he was replacement level or above in fantasy last week. So it, it worked out, but it could have been better. Would have been nice if we had Marcus Mariota in there instead of Jameis Winston. Wouldn't that have been nice? Oh, yeah, well, that would have been great. But on playerprofiler.com, I highly, 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 highly encourage you to check out our lineup optimizer because what we've done is we take our rankings and we take our projected points. This week, this year, we've changed the rankings. So if you go to the rankings, you're not going to notice them. In the past, the rankings only displayed the weekly rankings. Once the season started, we had a static page and we could only display one set of rankings at a time. So during the season, we had to display, of course, the weekly rankings. Now it's changed. Now we let you toggle between weekly rankings and the season rankings. And we're going to add the dynasty rankings soon. So that's a change. Also, in the weekly rankings, we've added projected points. Because this summer, I talked about going on trips to visit with my friend, the, the math genius. And we sat down and created a mechanism for projecting points that I am very confident about. Now, I know this week was an okay week. We were kind of right down the middle. Wasn't a great lineup. Wasn't an awful lineup, our optimal lineups. Some of them did well because had guys like Stevie Johnson in there. Fine. Some of them, not so great. The ones with Charles Johnson and Lamar Miller. But that's okay. We've taken the projected points. And we plug them into a lineup optimizer. And a lot of sites have lineup optimizers. I'm sure most of you have used lineup optimizers on other sites. But for those of you that haven't, I'll just give you a quick background. We take the projected points and we match them with the salaries on FanDuel and DraftKings. Then we run an algorithm that creates the lineup to maximize the number of points within the salary parameters. And it sounds simple, but it, it took days to write that algorithm. It was a lot of work. But and even though it was a lot of work, we've decided this year is going to be available for free. Next year, it'll most likely be part of a premium subscription. We're going to be adding a, a premium subscription option for playerprofiler.com. And that will be one of those features that is available for premium customers. But for a full year, so you can test drive it out and you can see how effective it is, hopefully win some money with it, we're going to have that available to you. So you go to playerprofiler.com and click on lineup optimizer at the top and you can check it out. The neat thing is we're, we're not only providing you with the optimal lineup for cash games, we're also providing you with 10 additional optimal lineups for tournament play. A lot of you submit multiple lineups for tournaments because most tournament winners the DraftKings Millionaire Maker, for example. The Millie Maker. Yes, the Millie Maker. The Millionaire Maker. Say Millie Maker. It's Millionaire Maker. Just say Millionaire. The Millie Maker. Millionaire Maker. Anyway, <laughs> you talk to the winners of these tournaments, and most of them have submitted five to ten lineups. That's how you increase your odds. Different defenses and different flex. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to swap out three to four players in each lineup and provide you with 10 variations of the optimal lineup. And you can use that to submit those to tournaments. One thing I will say, because game data in the existing season that we're currently playing in is the most predictive, our projections are not as good this week as they will be in week five and six. The projections are heavily weighted and based on 
current season production. And I'm not going to give you all the, the secret sauce that makes up these projections, but we spent days creating a model that was as predictive as we could possibly come up with, isolating certain data that we found predictive and tossing out data that we discovered was just noise. Some of the data that we threw out that was just noise, most people include when they're doing their projections. And I was insistent, we have to include data element X. We have to include input factor Y. And we would run the numbers and say, wow, that actually doesn't matter. That piece of the puzzle is just noise. And it was kind of crazy to go through that exercise, but we did it in painful detail over a number of weekends. And so now I'm very confident. Week one, week two, week three, less confident, more speculative. That's why in these weeks I'm playing mostly cash games. But starting in week four, five, six, I'm going to start entering more tournaments and start playing more lineups because I believe the projections will be more accurate. So that's what you can look forward to. That's what we've got going. That's the new, new thing on playerprofiler.com. And that's how I would that's how I would lay out the game plan for you. But this week, would have loved to have Mariota in there. Would have loved to have Carlos Hyde in there. That would have been great. Eh, it was just okay. We had to just we had Eddie Lacy, we had Demarco Murray, we had a number of of players that produced well, but we were hamstrung by the Jameis Winston at the top, Des Bryant missing a significant portion of the game. So for a number of reasons, didn't work out as well as we'd like. But that's also week one, and I don't expect week two to be a gangbuster week either, because again, it's highly speculative. But then again, we're going to start ratcheting it up come week four and week five. And you're going to start to, I think, see optimal lineups that are going to kick butt. And the rankings will be better. The rankings will be more accurate once we get into the midseason area. One other thing with the optimal lineup. For the tournament, in the tournament format, for the optimal lineup generator, you're going to see additional volatility of the players. You're going to see players that have higher peaks and lower valleys. So we do, we have, for the tournament lineups, we have added a volatility multiplier to put a premium on those players that are inconsistent, but when they're on, they produce like wide receiver ones or running back ones. So we're looking for inconsistency. We're looking for volatility in our tournament lineups. Cash games, the opposite. We're looking for consistency. And so that's why when you're going and checking out the optimal lineup, that's why we have you pick cash or tournament. Most of the other optimal lineup tools, it's just a single lineup that you would use for cash games. We decided to have a variation for tournaments. Now, while Jameis Winston didn't fire, while Teddy Bridgewater didn't fire, while Lamar Miller didn't fire, player profiler was right about a lot of players. I personally was right about a lot of players, starting with Tevin Coleman, people. Starting with Tevin Coleman. You might say, well, Tevin Coleman didn't score a touchdown. Tevin Coleman didn't have a great fantasy day. He didn't set the world on fire. No, that's right. Tevin Coleman didn't set the world on fire. But if you watch the game, you saw Tevin Coleman, the player that we predicted. Tevin Coleman is who he thought we, he was. <laughs> what? Could I mess that up so bad? No one's ever messed up that Denny Green line worse than I just did. Tevin Coleman is what, hey, he, we thought he might have been. What? 
Tevin Coleman is what we thought he was. He is what I said he was. Tevin Coleman is a downhill runner who is explosive, who gets the most out of every carry, and is a tremendous fit for Kyle Shanahan's zone blocking scheme. You know who's not a great fit for Kyle Shanahan's zone blocking scheme? Devonta Freeman. That's who. Last night, Tevin Coleman, 20 carries for 80 yards. 4.0 yards per carry. Devonta Freeman, 10 carries, 18 yards. Hello! 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 But it's not just the stats. It's not clear. It's clear that Atlanta has found their lead back in Tevin Coleman, giving him 20 carries his first game as a rookie. That is important. That is impressive. But beyond that, when you watched him play, you watched him consistently finish runs. You watched him lower his pad level. You watched him wiggle in traffic and slide past defenders to get an extra yard or two. All the things that the tape grinders said that he couldn't do. He runs too upright. Goes down on first contact. He didn't go down on first contact. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. He took contact and continued running. He does know how to get skinny through the hole. Absolutely. He is patient on outside runs. He does have great vision on draw plays. So, essentially, everything the tape grinders said about Tevin Coleman was wrong. And we knew it was wrong because he ran for 2,000 yards at Indiana. Behind Indiana's offensive line, he ran for 2,000 yards. Just knowing that, you know that he doesn't have all those flaws that the tape grinders claimed he has. It's ridiculous. I'm not even going to mention his 43940 at his pro day. Sexy. Sexy, you sexy thing, Tevin. Sexy, sexy man. God, I love that. But yeah, I mean, there's. it's very rare that a player will post eight fantasy points in both standard and PPR formats, and I'm ecstatic. It's the greatest eight fantasy point output I've ever seen. It's the most happy I've been about an eight fantasy point output in a single game I've ever been. Tevin Coleman, because of what it means for his opportunity moving forward, what it means for projecting and forecasting his performances in future weeks, what it means for his role in the offense, what it means just watching him, what he can do on the football field, because not only is he able to, to churn those extra yards and keep the chains moving, as they say, you can also tell we know from just looking at his 40 time and watching those runs from college, but you also saw it last night that he has great burst. He has a burst where when he decides to go downhill, he explodes downhill. And he has a nimbleness around defenders that you know that he, you feel like it's palpable when you're watching a Tevin Coleman carry and he's in the open field or he's out in space or he's waiting to, 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 to find the hole on an outside run, you're just, your heart's beating through your chest. It's palpable. You can feel this could be the carry. On any given carry, Tevin Coleman could break a 50-yard touchdown run because long touchdowns are good. You know who's not capable of busting a long touchdown? Devonta Freeman. Now, there were other players that were exciting. Like Jordan Matthews, 10 catches for 102 yards. Wow, it's pretty good for a slot receiver who can't separate, huh? Hmm. It's almost like, Jordan Matthews is their number one receiver, not Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar, who posted one catch for five yards. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Crazy. 
So Jordan Matthews is by far and away their number one receiver. There's very few receivers who are more locked in to a number one target hog role in the NFL than Jordan Matthews. Because compared to the other receivers on the team, Jordan Matthews had 13 targets. The next most by a receiver was Riley Cooper. Four targets. Think about it. Jordan Matthews had more than triple the number of targets than the next receiver in the pecking order. That is a target hog. Jordan Matthews is what a target hog looks like. The next guy, Eddie Lacy. Oh, yeah, Eddie Lacy. Number one overall running back on the playerprofiler.com season rankings. He had a bad game. Anyone that watched that game, I was watching that game intently because if you listen to the Football Die Hard show, and I highly suggest if you, if you like this show, I think you'll also like the Football Die Hard show. It's a similar format. It's me just talking extemporaneously. And on yesterday's Football Die Hard show, I talked about James Jones and how I've come around on James Jones and how I'm now one of the, one of the most enthusiastic James Jones advocates in the fantasy football community. I love James Jones. Hate Devontae Adams. But watching the game was thinking the whole time, where's Eddie Lacy? What's Eddie Lacy going to do? Then I look at the box score. Eddie Lacy, 85 yards, a touchdown, and then another two receptions for 14 yards. So wait, you're doing the math in your head. Wait, okay, so 85 yards, and then six points for the touchdown, a couple catches. Wait a second, this guy had more than 15 fantasy points. Yeah, that's a bad game for Eddie Lacy. He wasn't that involved, and yet 15 fantasy points. That's the RB1 you're looking for. And the other thing that I loved about the Eddie Lacy box score, looking at the Green Bay box score, Eddie Lacy, 19 carries. The next running back in the pecking order, James Starks, two carries. Eddie Lacy is a bell cow. If you're looking for a workhorse, Eddie Lacy is a workhorse. That's what you want. You want guys like... Eddie Lacy in your backfield on your fantasy team, and you want guys like Jordan Matthews, target hogs and bell cows, target hogs and bell cows. I feel like we have a farm here. I feel like this is like Farmer in the Dell or Old McDonald, Old Mick Kelly. Old Mick Kelly had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on his farm he had an Eddie Lacy bell cow, E-I-E-I-O, and on his farm he had a Jordan Matthews target hog, E-I-E-I-O. That was dreadful. I'm going to play that for Vivian. We're going to play that for Vivian. Let me know. Contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Was that good? Am I good at singing children's songs? I would like to know that. We're going to play that for Vivian. We're going to see what she has to say. My guess is it's going to be a big thumbs down. It's going to be one of those Price is Right, Loser Game Show sounds, or the X from Family Feud. It's going to be one of those sounds. I guarantee it. We'll see. I'll, I'll record what her face looks like when I play... The old Matt Kelly had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, because we're looking for bell cows and we're looking for target hawks, <laughs> right? More things we were right about. We were right about DeMarco Murray. Two touchdowns. Yeah, well, yeah, well, easy, easy on the DeMarco Murray celebration. It was nice seeing red zone carries. That's why we liked DeMarco Murray. We knew that Philadelphia would be in the red zone a lot, and therefore DeMarco Murray would get Plenty of red zone touches. Remember, LaShawn McCoy last year 
led the league in red zone touches. So that's a good thing. We like that. We thought that would carry over, and it did. Touchdowns, multiple touchdowns, four, one, DeMarco Murray. So cool, so great. But the touch breakdown, not good. Eight carries for DeMarco Murray. Five carries for Darren Sproles. Three carries for Ryan Matthews. Yeah, so 50% of the carries is not what you're looking for. When you out-carry the other running backs on the team, 19-2, to like Eddie Lacy versus James Starks, that's what you want. That's what you want. You don't want 50%. That's not good. I don't like that. I I like that DeMarco Murray has this high floor. We've always talked about DeMarco Murray's floor is that he, he will get touches in the red zone. He will be able to take advantage of the great volume. And he himself is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. There's all these things to like about DeMarco Murray. But what I don't like is this touch distribution. Because if he were getting a touch distribution more similar to Eddie Lacy, DeMarco Murray could easily be the number one running back in fantasy. He could be that super-duper uber-stud back, that, that one back in the NFL that has no flaws. That's trending towards Eddie Lacy, not so much DeMarco Murray anymore. DeMarco Murray's looking like he has a pretty significant flaw in that he's in a situation where he's not the bell cow. On the other hand, fortunate to see DeMarco Murray getting four catches and five targets. If we extrapolate that out, I can't believe it. I can't do 16 times four in my head. I mean, I can, it's 64, but it took me a second. Like, it, it didn't roll off. It didn't roll out of my brain. I, could, I could just open the drawer of my brain and go, 16 times 4, 64, boom. And I had to think about it for a second. So that, that, that kind of annoyed me. I think this is what happens. I'm just not quite as sharp. I don't know what it is, but I'm now in my 30s, and I'm just not, I'm not as sharp. I remember in my late 20s, I was like a razor. I could cut through anything. I could boom, 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 boom. Recall, pow, pow, pow. Names, math in my head. Ping, 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 ping. Literary references, pow, 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 pow. Now it's like, eh, 16 times four is uh, 64. That uh, part, that, uh, I don't like that. Uh, frustrating. So that's good. 64 catches would be great. That would buoy his touch count. That would get him over 300 touches. And that's what we need. We really were honing in on that 300 touch number. We need 300 touches at the very least, for DeMarco Murray to justify where we were drafting him in the first round. So, please, DeMarco Murray. We're assuming he's going to be efficient. But that's also a concern, because he wasn't at all efficient. They were playing Atlanta, one of the worst run defenses. And it it was disappointing there as well. Atlanta allowed, last year, get this, 5.21 fantasy points to running backs above the mean above the mean that's almost a full touchdown above average when you played atlanta they were spotting you a touchdown to your running back in fantasy that's incredible and then so of course in our weekly rankings we had demarco murray in the top two we had him projected for 18.79 fantasy points and he got there with touchdowns and catches he didn't get there yards In fact, I don't even think, did he get there? I don't think he got there because he had four catches, 16 plus four. And I'm going to do bad math in my head again. Can I do 16? Well, is is that 16? Yes. 12 plus four is 16. And then he had 20 yards. 
That's 18. He didn't even get there. He didn't even get to our projection. He got to 18, not 18.79. He actually missed the projection with two touchdowns. Think about that. That's a mess. That's kind of a mess against Atlanta. Eight carries for nine yards, 1.1 yards per carry against Atlanta. What happened, man? What happened? What happened, Chip? What happened, DeMarco? This is not good, people. This is not good. This is about as concerned as I'm going to be. Now, DeMarco had a good game. This is a celebratory, right? He, he, he almost met his projection. Two touchdowns. We should be excited. Ugh, but I just can't. I'm just that mild amount of anxiety. I, I, he didn't confirm my convictions, unlike Eddie Lacy. That's what week one is about. Did you confirm my convictions or not? Eddie Lacy did. DeMarco Murray didn't. But I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to get anxious. I'm not going to trade DeMarco Murray just because he posted nine rushing yards against by far and away the worst rush defense from last year. Because the reason why, we aren't going to freak out too much. We're not going to go flying off the handle and take this week one data as gospel is because it's a very good chance that Atlanta revamped their rush defense. And this year, they won't be last in rush yards allowed. In fact, based on what they did against Philadelphia, they're trending in the right direction. They're trending toward being a team that doesn't allow as many fantasy points to running backs as the average defense. So we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Again, it's only one week, but there is a mild concern because what I thought DeMarco Murray would be in terms of efficiency, he wasn't. I'm not going to get... I'm not going to get too freaked out. Instead, I'm going to be celebrating all the players that confirmed my convictions. Because it wasn't just DeMarco Murray that scored two touchdowns. It wasn't just Eddie Lacy being Eddie Lacy. Jordan Matthews being a target hog. Tevin Coleman proving all the tape grinders wrong. It was Travis Kelsey. Oh, Zeus. Pushing!